Well, hasn't this been fun? The Vikings are inching ever closer to signing Jim Harbaugh as their head coach. Another big long interview happened on Tuesday. We're going to talk about that and talk about the whole situation. I'm going to keep you updated here on the Lockdown Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, in the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. Show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And today on the show, I mean, we just have to keep up with the news cycle, right? It's getting crazy out there. Jim Harbaugh today, Wednesday, is interviewing for the Vikings job. By all accounts, it's very, I'm going to go with the word is probable that he walks out of that building with the job. It is not a done deal yet. Um, Kevin O'Connell and Patrick Graham, I think both still have a legitimate shot, uh, but it sounds like it's it, Harbaugh is the the heavy favorite is the way that I think I, I'll, I'll put it. So we'll talk about that. But I, I did want to talk about Patrick Graham, and I'm going to do that because I just want to have like Patrick Graham takes, I guess, out there before it, the Harbaugh thing becomes official and before it becomes a hindsight take. Um, and just tell you a little bit about where I would place Patrick Graham. And again, there is a non-zero chance that he ends up getting the job. He's like a dark horse of sorts. So we'll get into that. But first, I actually I want to do something I don't usually do on Lockdown Vikings and talk a little bit about a national thing that sort of by comparison affects the Vikings or at least reflects on the Vikings. Um, gigantic news out of uh, Miami is a lawsuit that Brian Flores is levying against the Dolphins as, and he also names the uh, Broncos and Giants for various things regarding um, racial discrimination is, I guess, the, the meat of the lawsuit. And also uh, the, the suit alleges that Miami uh, owner Stephen Ross specifically was trying to bribe Brian Flores into losing games on purpose so they could get a better draft pick. He outright refused. That was the year that they won five games. They ended up picking fifth in 2019 to get Tua instead of Burrow. They could have had Herbert, though. And because that didn't because he didn't listen to that, he alleges that he was kind of hit with like the angry black man stereotype and labeled difficult to work with. And that's why they fired him and all that. And so he he levies that all of that was discriminatory and unfair. Um, And more importantly to us as Vikings fans, um, he talks about the coach hiring process and that when he was interviewing for a head coach job a couple of years ago with the Broncos, when they hired Vic Fangio, um, they had basically already chosen Vic Fangio and he was a Rooney rule satisfying interview. They weren't, it wasn't a serious interview. It was just bringing him in to satisfy the Rooney rule, but they weren't legitimately considering him. And he evident his evidence of this is that John Elway and whoever else was there showed up like disheveled. And, uh, they were like pretty clearly hung over after a long night the night before with other, with the other interviewee. And then he like sat through this really awkward couple of hours while they like faked asking him questions and he knew he wasn't getting the job. And then in this particular cycle, after being fired from Miami, he thought he had a legitimate, legitimate shot at the giants job. But then Bill Belichick, this is hilarious, accidentally texted 
Brian Flores instead of Brian Dable saying, hey, congrats on getting the Giants job, which he had the interview coming up the next day. So it wasn't supposed to be finalized. But Bill Belichick kind of spilled the beans by saying, hey, congrats, you got the Giants job, even though Flores hadn't been interviewed yet. Beans had been spilled that he was going to go to do this interview knowing he wasn't going to get the job. And how much of an indignity is that? Um, So all of this is to say the Vikings had a nine hour interview with Patrick Graham today despite or on on Tuesday, um, despite everybody kind of thinking that Jim Harbaugh is the odds on favorite to get the job. And so a lot of people were talking about like, oh, my goodness, this is exactly the thing. Look, this is happening. They made him sit there for nine hours when they knew they weren't going to give him the job. So let's talk about a couple of things with that. And then I'm actually going to talk about the merits of, of, of Patrick Graham, too, even though I don't think they're going to hire him. A, it's not impossible. B, Still probably good to know what we are declining for Jim Harbaugh and see if we agree with that decision. But first, a couple things. A, um, Patrick Graham isn't a Rooney Rule interview. Um, he, do- he wouldn't have to be. The way the Rooney Rule works now, and they've changed it recently, it's not just you need to hire one or you need to uh, interview one minority black candidate. It is that you need to interview two minority candidates uh, and then you need, and one of those interviews needs to go in person. So you need one in-person interview and you need two interviews. You need to like have two candidates in the pool and one of them needs to get to in-person. So the Vikings have satisfied this already. They, uh, interviewed Patrick Graham, Raheem Morris, D'Amico Ryans, and Todd Bowles. All of those are minority candidates that satisfied the first part of the rule, the two interviews. And then the one in-person interview, they had already interviewed in person with Raheem Morris, and they did have one with D'Amico Ryans, but he pulled out. Um, and so Patrick Graham would, would have been the second one. So they could have canceled the Patrick Graham thing and not been in violation of the Rooney Rule. So this was not a Rooney Rule thing. If it was a Rooney Rule thing, also, they wouldn't have there's no part of the rule that makes it a, a nine-hour interview. Um, that's a legitimate look. That that's he's that is a fair shake. And sure. You're up against a guy that's a 700, got a 700 win percentage and a huge legacy and stuff like that. Going to be tough to go up against Jim Harbaugh and win that job. Um, but that is a fair shake. And Quasi Adolfo Mensa has a prior relationship with Patrick Graham. They're very close. And he was one of the people who came on Quasi's list when Quasi said, uh, I'm going to take the GM job. Here are my head coach candidates that I like. Harbaugh and Patrick Graham were both on that list. There's nothing that indicates that the Vikings were feigning interest in Patrick Graham. That was genuine interest. They might not end up ultimately going with him, but that is genuine interest. And also a nine hour interview. A lot of people were like, wow, they made him sit through nine hours for the charade. It's that that's not that weird. Um, nine hours for a head coaching interview. I mean, this is a guy that's going to run your franchise. This is keys to the car for uh, for for years to come, hopefully. Right. Three, four years in a good situation at a minimum. And you're hoping that they last for longer than that. Yeah, you're going to take all day to do that interview. And there's a lot to do in a, in a coaching interview. There's a lot of people to go around and meet. You're going to tour the whole facility. You're going to um, sit down, tell people your plan for this, tell another person your plan for that. Um, the Raheem Morris and Kevin O'Connell interviews were a little shorter because they were on the road. So there wasn't the whole tour of the facility thing, meet every single person in the building thing. It was just the crack team that kind of went out to LA to do that. Um, but with, with Patrick Graham, because he flew into Minnesota, that's going to be a little bit longer. So all of this tracks to, if you suggest that Patrick Graham's interest with the Vikings was legitimate. Um, whether or not they pick him, I don't know, but it is legitimate interest. That's the point that I want to make. And 
Importantly, if you hear anybody say, oh, that was just the thing they did to satisfy the Rooney rule, you can say, no, 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 they already had that covered um, before the Patrick Graham interview. There would be no reason for them to do this other than a very strange and elaborate like optics move. And that doesn't really stand up. That doesn't pass the smell test to me, uh, that, that theory. So um, that's the deal with Patrick Graham. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the merits of Patrick Graham and also a little bit about uh, what's going on with Jim Harbaugh, too, and where we stand right now. We've got a lot to, to catch up on. Uh, but first, let me talk to you about the art of the Gramble. Super Bowl season coming up. That means prop bets. What color tie is uh, Chris Collinsworth going to wear? Is he going to wear an orange one because he's calling a Bengals game? I don't know. What about the color of the Gatorade? How long will the national anthem be? And will it be longer than the uh, shortest touchdown drive? All sorts of crazy stuff like that that has been in the bet online prop bets last uh, in, in previous years. I'm sure it'll be in there. I'm excited about it. You can also do uh, basketball, baseball, hockey, MMA, UFC, whatever. Uh, just go to betonline.net. Betonline.net is your one-stop shop for all things grambling. Don't wait to take advantage of all of the great grambling opportunities for 2022. Bet online, where the game starts. Thanks so much for making Lockdown Vikings your first listen of the day. Um, I want to give you just the quick skinny on where we are at with Jim Harbaugh specifically. I know I'm going to go back to talking about Patrick Graham in a little bit. Um, but with Harbaugh, he is spending Wednesday today in Minnesota. You might know by the time you listen to this that he has been hired. Uh, that could happen. My understanding of the situation is that he still has some questions to answer. Um, he has, I mean, there are some red flags. We talked about them a little bit on Monday, uh, that he's kind of got to talk about like, Hey, what's tell me about the deal in San Francisco and how you kind of got ousted for being too much of a jerk. Let's talk about that. Um, and you got to kind of see what his answer is. You have to see if he's going to be a forward thinking coach. You don't want to just hire another like super behind the times gut feeling guy. That's not going to pay enough credence to analytics or whatever. That's what everybody's really sick of with Mike Zimmer. So they're not going to want to do that. Um, and there are some, like there is a world where Jim Harbaugh bombs today and they go with Kevin O'Connell or maybe Patrick Graham. There is, there is a world where that is the case. Um, but I think that world is fairly unlikely because Quasey, who knows Harbaugh from their time together in, in uh, San Francisco is really into it. Um, and he, he's the GM. And so he's going to have a really, really, really big vote. There has been a lot of other chatter. There was something about him going to Miami instead. Um, so if you're worried about the Miami thing, it turns out I think the genesis of that was because Stephen Ross, who is the owner of the Dolphins, is also a big booster of Michigan. So there was a connection and people thought, oh, that's going to happen. Um, but it turns out that he didn't want to be the one. He likes Michigan and he didn't want to take Michigan's head coach away. So he said, no, 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 I'm not going to get Harbaugh. So Miami's out in terms of a destination there. Um, Chicago obviously had their talks with him. There's a little bit of a rumor circulating that that uh, the Chicago Bears didn't want to shell out the money that Harbaugh wanted. Um, the Vikings could very easily make that same decision. I don't know what kind of money Jim Harbaugh is asking for, but could be too much. I mean, that would be very unwilfs like the Wilfs have always had very open pocketbooks, but everybody's got their limit, right? Um, so, but that that's part of that's in the cards for sure. And of course, like I said, he could just bomb the interview. So that all adds up to be a legitimate non-zero chance that Jim Harbaugh doesn't exit 
uh, TCO Performance Center on Wednesday as the head coach of the Vikings. There's also a reasonable enough chance that they all sleep on it. This is what they did with Quasey too. They had him in. They did the whole big interview. They probably decided, yeah, this guy's going to be the GM and we're going to sleep on it and we'll pull the trigger in the morning just to make sure that, you know, we, we remove ourselves from the situation a little bit and make a sounder decision. That is a personal thing that I do for every big decision I ever have to make. I'll always sleep on it. So I definitely get that kind of thing if it may, might be Thursday morning when they announce it. Um, but either way, He's still, I mean, we're talking about a 90% chance and we just have to explain why there's another 10% chance, but as Vikings fans, we should know a 90% win probability ain't a hundred. <laughs> so that's kind of where we're at. But let me talk a little bit about Patrick Graham, who did a big long interview on Tuesday, nine hours. Um, I don't really have any word on whether or not it went well or anything like that, but it did happen and there's definitely a lot of interest there. Um, I've been a fan of Patrick Graham's since last year, since 2020, when I watched Monday Night Football Bucks versus Giants, and I covered it for Locked On NFL. When I, I do Locked On NFL Tuesdays, so we cover Mo Monday Night Football um, the, the next morning. So I was studying that game for that, and what Patrick Graham did in that game, they ended up losing that game, but they limited the Buccaneers really, really well until crunch time kind of changes the dynamic. Um, and what they did in that game, I thought was really, really, really effective. Good coverages. Their fronts were really effective. They really shut down the run game. It seemed like Patrick Graham outcoached Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich and everybody, the, the eventual Super Bowl winners um, on that side of the ball. And then there was some problems on the Giants offense as well that that killed it. But I, I really like the way that Patrick Graham runs that defense. And then I, I wasn't very surprised when it looked like the Vikings in their free agency were going to get Dalvin Tomlinson and try to run the same fronts. Patrick Graham is a, a, a really good tactician and a very creative tactician. He definitely checks the box of not afraid to try something weird and new, not, you know, super beholden to tradition or uh, super afraid of taking a big swing on something and then having it blow up in his face. Like, that's not something he shies away from. And that's a box I think we all want his head coach to check. He is very young. He's very inexperienced. It's not unlike D'Amico Ryans or Kevin O'Connell. It's the same deal. But if you ask anybody in the Giants organization, they will rave about this guy. And really, a lot of people didn't like the idea of Patrick Graham because a defensive guy. I've talked about that a ton and how I don't really care if you're on the offensive or defensive side of the ball because head coach is a skill set that kind of requires like as long as you're not going to do the Mike Zimmer thing where you over focus on one side of the ball being a head coach kind of necessitates that you don't do that, which was a flaw of Mike Zimmer's. And as long as you don't have that flaw too, I don't really care what side of the ball you came up on. And I don't know if Patrick Graham um, has that flaw. I don't, I don't think he does, although he does have a, a little bit of a tendency. This is something I got from, I, I asked uh, Patricia Traina of, of Locked on Giants, who kind of told me he does get a little obsessive about fixing certain things and he he might still need to kind of learn the lesson of how to not get tunnel vision and focus a little more on the big picture and that's something that hopefully for him will come with a little bit of experience um but schematically I think he would be a really interesting hire I really like the way he relates to his players and scheme and stuff um but there's this other thing about him. And it's a conversation I want to have, if only because it's interesting, even if it doesn't end up being relevant. Again, we're just getting to know what the Vikings are very probably going to decline here. Um, the Patriot way. 
Brian Flores is not a giant, he's not the Joe Judge tree. He's part of the Belichick tree, and that has a hell of a reputation for being a whole bunch of disasters. I want to talk about that and why I don't necessarily think Patrick Graham follows that pattern. Um, so I, I want to get into that with you. First, let me tell you about the best tasting protein bar on the planet. It is Built Bar covered in 100% chocolate. It will satisfy all of your absolutely depraved and disgusting cravings. These babies taste so good, you will actually want to eat them. They're not going to be like the boring kind of protein bar that tastes like oatmeal and a mat and whatever else your imagination can conjure because it has no flavor of its own. No, no, no. You got coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream, salted caramel, all sorts of delicious flavors, like 130 calories in one of these bad boys, four net carbs, four grams of sugar. Compare that to a candy bar. It's got like 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, dozens of net carbs. This one's going to do a lot better. And your lizard brain that is just craving something chocolate and horrible is absolutely not going to know the difference. So head on over to built.com, enter promo code LOCKED15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and get 15% off of your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off of whatever you get at built.com. The Patriot Way. It is a ubiquitous term that has come to sort of lose all meaning. But I want you to take a moment and ask yourself, when you hear the Patriot Way, what do you think? What what does that evoke? What is the Patriot Way to you? Vote now on your phones. Pause the video. I'll wait. Um, and I, what I'm going to guess, either you haven't heard of the thing, which then you can't answer the question, but or if you've heard of the thing, what I'm going to guess is you get some idea of like, an authoritarian strongman with perfect disciplinarian control over his staff and his players. Everybody does their job. Everybody is unselfish. There's no celebration. There's no flash. It's all very professional and buttoned up and serious, and everybody takes it seriously, and that leads to 14 win seasons. And that's probably what you think of with the Patriot way. And you probably think of that because every time a Bill Belichick assistant goes off to take another job, it kind of turns into that. It turns into a very authoritarian thing. And not everybody jives with that. And even in New England, not everybody jives with that. Um, over the years of the, the Super Bowls and everything, they had guys like Chad Ochocinco, who didn't really mesh there, or somebody like Randy Moss, who meshed for a while, but then eventually got traded back to the Vikings in 2010. Uh, there's been personalities like that that just, just didn't work, just didn't vibe. And people who did vibe... And, and could buy into the Patriot way, were able to be part of the organization forever. And, you know, you had the Mike Vrabels and stuff who were there for, you know, 12 years and totally bought in, and that's great. The problem is if you aren't Bill Belichick, nobody's been able to, like, replicate that sort of perfect exerted control and that perfect, you know, high discipline culture because they aren't Bill Belichick. So you have, like, Joe Judge coming in and just making everybody mad. And Matt Patricia made everybody so mad, they still complain about it online, even though they've all moved on to other teams and Matt Patricia's been fired. They just do that to, like, hurt Lions fans, I guess. Um, and, I mean, go all the way, go to Eric Mangini and all the way back to everybody, right? That Romeo Cronell, that, all of these assistants have failed. Bill O'Brien's another one. He had a good run, but obviously didn't work out. Um, and it's because, if you ask me, they missed the point of the Patriot way. The Patriot way to me, if, if, if you ask me like what makes Bill Belichick good, I think it's because he has a very open mind when it comes to finding market inefficiencies. Um, I call this, you know, the, the white receiver principle because there is 
we're going to go maybe a bias where people don't necessarily place as much value on white receivers. And so that's why there's there's always a, a, a tiny little white receiver in uh, in New England, because that guy is probably better than than the resources that Bill Belichick had to spend. There is, I think, a good like callous roster uh, roster building stuff like the Jamie Collins thing is what I always think of where he traded away Jamie Collins when he was due for an extension. Um, the Browns gave him that extension, paid a bunch of money, cut him after two years. He rejoins uh, New England on the cheap after the draft pick has already been selected. It's just getting a lot of value because Jamie Collins maybe didn't uh, wasn't worth the extension he was going to demand. So they found a creative way to get other value instead and then got him back two years later on the cheap for a, for a contract they did like. And that's sort of, it's, it's, it's an economics world. And I, and I talked a lot about it when I was talking about Quasi because Quasi's an economics guy too. Um, that sort of roster building helps. But for me, if you, and, and for Patrick Graham, if you ask Patrick Graham, Hey, what did you learn from your time in new England being part of those, those Belichick teams? What he took away wasn't about disciplinarian. It wasn't about authority. It wasn't about hierarchy. It wasn't about, you know, having this like iron fisted control over everybody. It was about the free and like unpressured exchange of ideas and how everybody, and he kind of felt this because he was a lower level assistant when he first starts in, in New England. And he felt that he was welcome to share his ideas in meeting rooms. And and that's not the case in all NFL meeting rooms where, you know, if, if you're the QC coach and you're going, hey, what about, what if we ran this player? Should we maybe change our third down strategy? That might be kind of speaking out of turn. Not New England. Everybody is, is, is ready. Everybody's welcome. If you listen to some of Belichick's biggest cheerleaders, uh, some of his, the players that have loved working with him, they'll tell you, you know, we could have showed up to practice in a onesie and Bill Belichick wouldn't care as long as we were focused. And I think that that part of what makes Belichick great, that hasn't translated to all of his, uh, all, all of his little minions that he sent off across the league is that he has a very healthy relationship to what is actually important. And, you know, Wear a suit and tie at all times does not make you a better football player. Wear a onesie to practice. Focusing in practice makes you a better football pr- player. Um, you know, being engaged, being part of this and having the discipline to do your job and not get distracted from doing your job and being able to execute your job is important. And that he'll harp on forever. Um, and I think don't be late was a, was a big one's a big one everywhere. You know, don't be late to meetings, right? Don't miss stuff. Don't make the, the, every second is precious because you only can are allowed so many moments with NFL players because of the CBA and stuff. So don't be late, right? Big, that's, that's important. That matters. And Patrick Graham seems to have a grasp on that, which is why I'm not worried about him being a Belichick guy in the way that I was very worried about Joe Judge when the Giants hired him. Um, and in the way I was, I, the exact same thought I had about Matt Patricia, I was like, this is going to be another Belichick guy. Um, Patrick Graham doesn't seem to have fallen for that. He's a very much a dork. He's a big nerd. Um, he's like a big math nerd type. So if you're worried about, oh, no, he's going to be a conservative defensive coach that's addicted to the run game. I don't know about that. He seems to have. And I think that's probably why he and Gwesi grew, grew close. I think they have a very similar outlook on on the sport. And I think if you want to be the Quasi team that's analytically minded and very you know economic and very pragmatic and very value based, if you want to be that team, if, if Quasi really excited you for that and you want a head coach that matches those ideals, 
I think Patrick Graham is the candidate for you out of all of these guys, even going back to the Jonathan Gannons and Todd Bulls that didn't make it to the second round. So I really like Patrick Graham as a head coaching candidate. And I have kind of since I realized that he was a good defensive coordinator back in 2020. Like that was when I first learned about the wonder of Patrick Graham. Good schematically, I think I, I think he checks the culture box for me. The leader of Ben Box is kind of what I've been calling it. Um, and I think he has like a healthy relationship to like analytics and stuff. So if you're worried about him being like a defensive guy, I, I don't think most of the reasons that you dislike defensive coordinators apply to Patrick Graham specifically. I think some of those apply to like D'Amico Ryans or even like Dan Quinn, who didn't end up taking any jobs this year. Um, but I don't think that they apply to Patrick Graham in the same way. It's just that he's a little young and that I think the idea that he has, uh, that he can get tunnel vision and he can get too focused on one problem could lead to like with, with overarching decision-making power could lead to like overcorrections that let, you know, one problem become two problems and two problems become four problems. And then suddenly you're having a disaster year. He could still be prone to that. And I, and it's just being young, right? That's something that comes, you know, two more years, two, three more years as a defensive coordinator. Now you're ready to go and he'll be a great head coach somewhere. I think Patrick Graham should be a head coach eventually in this league. And if that doesn't work out, I think maybe he, he should even get a second chance because I think he has the traits to be the leader, the manager, the the overall general of everything that the head coach needs to be. And I think he might even be better suited for that than he than he's suited to just like coordinate the day to day minutia of a unit like he might be better at head coach than he is at defensive coordinator. That is just the read that I get, I guess, um, just maybe needs a little bit more time in the incubator. There's nothing wrong with that. Again, all of that's probably moot. Because of what's happening today in TCO Performance Center, either we're talking about Jim Harbaugh tomorrow, I have a a scheme article coming out tomorrow about Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, I mean, look, he's won 70% of his games. That's obscene. Why did that happen? How did he do that? Can he sustain it in Minnesota? I've got an article essentially explaining my thoughts on those questions, and I'm going to do that podcast tomorrow, probably, unless something wild happens and Harbaugh ends up leaving and we hire like Kevin O'Connell or whatever, um, then we'll talk about that. But that's probably going to be the, the thing tomorrow, and there's an article anyways uh, if if I don't end up doing that on the podcast. So come hang out for that. In the meantime, check out the Locked On Bets podcast to help you get your grambles straight, especially with the Super Bowl coming up. I will see you all tomorrow, and as always, Skull.